Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This is the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, uh, Mason Rudolph is your starting quarterback today. What do you need from him in order for the team to leave here with a victory? We need him to be aggressive. Um, he doesn't need to live in fear or play that way. Um, certainly we got to be prudent in terms of protection of the ball, but there's a balance there, and we spent some time talking about it. But I think it's in his natural wheelhouse, man. He's a confident and aggressive guy by nature. Um, whenever called upon, he's always been aggressive in terms of throwing the ball vertically. Uh, that's an asset, and, and that's one of the reasons why I'm comfortable calling on him and going with him today. When making a change at quarterback at this point of the season for performance reasons, do you consider at all how the change will be received by the rest of the players in the locker room? I think that's always um, some component of decision-making, but but more than anything, particularly at this juncture of the season, everybody knows that the moves that we're making are made for our collective betterment. Uh, we're not scoring enough points, uh, particularly this time of year, man, when you're leaning in as the road gets narrow. And so, man, we felt change was necessary in the effort to to pursue more points and produce more points. Uh, one of the things you said at your news conference was, quote, I think it's important as we formulate a plan this week that we're really thoughtful about the configuration of people that we have at our disposal and making sure that they're capable of delivering what we're asking them to do. How does that apply to Mason Rudolph since you haven't seen him start a regular season game in over two years? There's some low-hanging fruit. There's high-volume things that's been a component of what we do for for a number of years, a long period of time. That's that's stuff that's within his wheelhouse. Whether or not he's been repping it of late and have a lot of in-helmet perspective, some of our concepts, some of our base concepts, particularly situational ones, man, are time-tested, and, and there's – there's a cumulative experience, if you will, or exposure that should be an asset to them. When you win the opening coin toss, what are the things that factor into the decision to defer or take the football? It depends on environment. Obviously, when you're playing outdoors and weather is a component this time of year and windage and so forth, that's a factor. Um, when you're in pristine environment, sometimes it's just how you feel about the nature of the matchups offensively and defensively, which unit you feel like has a leg up or how you want to start the game from, from a rhythm perspective. What goes into blocking a punt in the NFL? You know, to be quite honest with you, if you put all the global blocks from a season or a block of seasons in the NFL on a reel, usually it's protection negligence. And so we're thoughtful about Obviously, the schematics that we design, where we deploy people, unique people, guys like Miles Killebrew, who have a skill set for it. Um, and it doesn't lessen our our desire to design blocks and go after them. But at the end of the day, when you really look at it, oftentimes it's not the schematics or the people on the block team. Usually it's some form of negligence from the protection team. Now, that negligence can be produced by schematics, um, pre-stap snims and movement, uh, relocation of people, overemphasis on on quality people, and really that's probably what ha- happened last weekend. We put Miles Killebrew in one A gap. We crossed the snapper's face to the other A gap. The snapper and the personal protector took him. 
because Miles has a reputation, and that created an opportunity um, for Connor Hayward. So uh, from a schematic standpoint, is it a play that's created for one guy to make the block, or is it a free-for-all to the punter and whoever gets there gets there? It's almost always more than one guy, but it can be one guy. Um, sometimes you have combination rushes and returns where you set up a portion of most of the unit in terms of the return, but you might fire one guy to try to get him to a block point or a couple of guys to get him to a block point. And so um, it can be as little or as few as one in, in, in combination returns. And then in extreme circumstances, you can send quite a few people um, all out, if you will, knowing that everyone's not going to get to the block point. You know, if sometimes, you know, you get – I've seen lower levels of football where you get multiple people to the block point and it causes problems for the block unit. Um, that doesn't happen on, on, on Sundays usually. Um, and so we're very comfortable, obviously, sending multiple people. What about when it's a, a point after touchdown or a field goal? Is, is it the same principles at work to block that kind of a kick? You know, I think that play has changed quite a bit um, in recent years because of the protection that the snapper gets. Um, there's more operation time in the punt game. There's more space, more vertical space. Um, and so there's more avenues and opportunities to win and get home. Um, in, in the field goal game, um, it's, a little, it's a little bit more troublesome if you're trying to get to a block point. The Steelers have been pretty good at blocking kicks, both punts and placement kicks. What Can you characterize one thing or a couple of things that have made them successful year after year? We, we work over a 12-month calendar um, in, in terms of establishing that component of our game. It starts as early as the early stages of team development in the spring, just simply doing block drills and filming it and videoing it, seeing how people move their hands to the block point, who keeps their eyes open, who closes their eyes, who has a natural skill set in that area. And then we build from there. We cast a big net. We teach some global things. Um, and, and we kind of build from there. So I, I really think more than anything, it's probably our commitment to development of the process over the course of a 12-month calendar. Okay, neither of your top two safeties, Minka Fitzpatrick nor uh, DeMonte Casey, are available today, and Trenton Thompson didn't practice on Tuesday or Wednesday, and now he's listed as out. That means a guy who could be making his debut is Eric Rowe, a ninth-year pro who has spent time with Philadelphia, New England, and Miami. How would you describe him as a player? You know, versatile. Um, I've seen him a lot over the years. As a matter of fact, I remember when he came out uh, of Utah in the draft, we brought him in on a pre-draft visit. We liked his skill set. He played corner in college, uh, but he was physical. He had safety-like size. We were acknowledging that he could have been a crossover player or a guy that could definitively be a safety later in his career. You fast forward nine years, and, and those – feelings and thoughts that we had about him have proven to be true. He's earned his bones in this league first initially as an outside corner, a bump corner, a big corner, if you will. Um, he was at Utah before a guy that we drafted named Brian Allen, if you remember a few years back. And so Utah had specialized in the big corner. And um, during the course of his career, he moved inside, became a sub-package defender, matched up on tight ends and things on third down and so forth, and then eventually moved to safety. And so he's a guy – that has a global understanding of what goes on on the back end, has played all over the secondary. He's a nine-year veteran, as you mentioned. And so we feel like, man, that skill set, that experience will be an asset to him and to us as he gets elevated and gets an opportunity to play today. Is Patrick Peterson a candidate to be in the mix at safety as well? 
He's more than a candidate. Um, you know, he finished a game for us at safety um, a week ago. And so we'll probably call on him in a variety of ways. But again, if you think back to the spring, man, that was one of the reasons why we were really interested in him in terms of free agency. His, versati- his versatility was Cam Sutton-like. And, um, and he does a lot of the things that, that Cam Sutton has done for us in terms of when, in ideal circumstances, being an interchangeable part in terms of some zone mixes, being able to play inside and, 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 and provide uh, variation to, to some schemes, if you will, but also in a pinch. Uh, like we're in right now, man, being able to play inside. And so we value his versatility. We appreciate the experience and versatility of Eric Rowe. All of that's going to be tested here today. Uh, The Bengals use a four-man defensive front, and their two ends are Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. Uh, Using the Batman and Robin analogy, who's Batman and what makes him Batman? 9-1 without a doubt. And that's not taking anything away from Hubbard. Um, Hubbard's a good rusher, man. He's an aware guy. Um... 91's been doing it and doing it at a high level. He did it in New Orleans at a high level. They identified that and, and, and purchased that in free agency. Um, and, and he signed a big contract, and he has delivered since he's been there. Um, he's on that premium matchup side oftentimes, uh, matching up against left tackles on quarterbacks' blind sides. Um, I think he's third in the league in, in sacks. There's a consistency to his production, uh, and, and it makes him Batman definitively. Specifically, how does he get it done? He's got a two-hand swipe. Um, He's good with power. Um, He's got a nice repertoire. It's not a big or diverse repertoire, but the things that he does, um, he lands and lands with with big-time regularity. In the first meeting between these teams this season, the Bengals were without wide receiver T. Higgins. Today, they will be without wide receiver Jamar Chase. In that kind of a situation, might the Bengals use Higgins in ways to compensate for not having Chase, or are they a couple of unique players who are different in what they bring to the offense and then they're how they're utilized within the offense? I really think the answers lie when they have both. Um, when they have both, they're interchangeable parts based on concept. Uh, Tyler Boyd is almost exclusively inside, and, and so they move Chase and Higgins around when they're both available. And so – it makes sense that they would move one around when the other's available. We experienced that last time we played them. They moved Chase around to Higgins-like things when they wanted to make Higgins-like throws. And so there's an anticipation from our perspective that if Chase is missing, they're going to move Higgins around. And, and so um, it it puts a big-time emphasis on the guy that remains. But as I mentioned here at the front end of this, there's a guy named Tyler Boyd um, who is a savvy quality NFL veteran and I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that component of it and acknowledge that he's probably going to be a big component of what they do when one of those guys that we're talking about is missing and um, we had that mentality uh, the first time we played them um, and and we'll share that mentality this time Um, sure there's a guy missing but Tyler Boyd can impact games in a big way man he'll have our attention from a prep standpoint from a schematic standpoint particularly uh, in possession down circumstances. From a skill set standpoint, what makes Higgins special? Combat catches. Um, he gets down the grass in a one-on-one circumstance, and you can see it in, the, in terms of some of the plays he made last week against the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, that big-time play he made in the two-minute drill before halftime, that big-time play he made at the end of the game. Um, he's a small forward, as we say in this thing. Uh, you know, he is a one-on-one matchup guy. He's a 50-50 ball guy. 
you know, those terms that we use like 50-50 ball guys, um, under ideal circumstances is 50-50. He catches more than his share, and that's the skill set. That's the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast. Subscribe and download new episodes every week and check out all of the other shows we have to offer on the Steelers Podcast Network that's available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.